welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. It's the weekend, finally. This is episode 94, and in this episode, you'll hear from new Dynamo head coach Paolo Nagamura, and we'll talk a little baseball before we get into that. Those guys still haven't gotten their act together. Uh, on the lockout front, so we'll uh, talk about what the latest news on that was. But before we get into all of that, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. What are you waiting for? I'm uh, I'm currently having Disney World withdrawals. Um, I told you guys about my trip to Disney World last week for my son's fifth birthday. My son this week has told me multiple times, Daddy, I miss Disney World. I'm going to be like, son, yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, to be honest, if there was a uh, if there was a way to do this job and then be at Disney World all the time, sign me up. So I'm going through those Disney World withdrawals as we get through this week. It got super cold last night again. I mean, honestly, I- I'm ready for 80 degree weather. I know people still want to have their jackets and the rodeos coming up, and it's kind of nice to dress up in cool cowboy boots and jeans and do all that. No. That ain't my thing, guys. I don't do the whole cowboy boots thing. I don't do the whole... You know, I've lived in Texas now for... Boy, it's going to be 30 years. It's going to be 30 years that I've been in Texas. My family and I moved from Chicago back in 1992. My dad got transferred. That's a big moment, man. I just realized it's going to be 30 years that uh, that I moved down to Houston. And in that time, I've never owned a pair of cowboy boots. Not one. And, uh, yeah, I'm admitting this now. Maybe that makes me seem more like a northerner, even though I grew up here and this is my home and I love Texas and everything about it. I look terrible in cowboy hats. I I don't. It's it's not a flattering look. And I've never owned a pair of cowboy boots. The thing I, I've gotten closest to are these, like, dress shoes that look like cowboy boots. If you put the jeans far enough down, then that kind of passes for cowboy boots, but those aren't comfortable at all. And they kind of gave me an indication that cowboy boots weren't going to be comfortable, so I've never really bought one. Plus, they're super expensive, and I've just never gone down that road. So I know rodeo time's coming up. I used to go to the cook-off all the time, and my wife just asked me recently, hey, do you want to go to the cook-off? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't I, I don't really know if I want to do the cook-off thing. I think that was for, like, my late 20s, early 30s, just getting married years. Now that we've got kids and the whole everything's in the picture, I don't really want to do that anymore. I don't really want to be around those crowds. You smell like the cook-off. I feel like I'm being kind of a downer. I'm not I'm not trying to do that on purpose. I'm just kind of having thoughts in my mind. But, you know, the rodeo's coming up. I was talking about cold weather, right? Well, that kind of put me in a bad mood. As you guys know, cold weather is not very fun for me. Anything below 55, and I'm very unproductive. And so it was, uh, it was cold this morning. And I have this weird thing in my house. I think I've talked about it before. I've got this open floor plan. So I'm still trying to regulate the heat in my house, and I feel like it is super hot in there all the time. I don't know if I'm doing this correct. And now because of the heat, I'm starting to see cracks in our new house in the, in the crown molding and in the, in the banisters and the drywall in our media room. Like I'm having all these issues. I feel like this podcast is all over the place already. But that's what my mind has been like lately because I haven't been able to like fully lock in on what I'm doing since I've gotten back from Disney World. It's like it's like I'm all over the place, man. I feel like I should be still getting up at 7 a.m. trying to plan rides for me and my son and my my dad and my wife to go on and all that. But uh, so I'm all over the place. So that's why this podcast seems all over the place. 
golly, I got I got to focus. I got to lock back in what we're, we're we're doing. But it was cold. It was cold and supposed to be cold again over the weekend. But it's supposed to be hot again next week and then cold again. I'm tired of the roller coaster, man. Just give me 80 degrees, maybe like highs and lows in the high 60s. I'll take lows in the high 60s. And then uh, I'll take highs in 85, 90. I'm good with that. Let's do that all the time. That would be perfect. Um, so then I can wake up. I can do my workouts in the morning. Speaking of which, I haven't been able to do that because my back has been killing me. Um, <laughs> I am what they call a cry for help. I've been a cry for help lately. And uh, you know what I did, though? I did order this, uh, this new treatment. I don't know if it's going to work. But I've heard good things about it. Uh, it's called Relief Factor. I, I, if you guys have heard of it, if you guys listen to this podcast, go ahead and shoot me a message. If you guys have uh, tried this Relief Factor stuff, I've heard good things. Uh, I'm just kind of tired of waking up, kind of feeling achy all the time. And maybe it stems from my back issues that I've had. I don't know. So I ordered this stuff. It's supposed to be coming in next week. It just got shipped today. Uh, but, yes, I, I am a cry for help as we head into the weekend. We don't have football anymore to look forward to we're supposed to be talking about baseball not like negotiations baseball we're, we're still talking about this lockout so that's the first topic of the day before we get into my interview with paulo nagamura uh the new uh dynamo head coach that's going to be coming up in a little bit but the news of the day is that major league baseball pushing back the start of spring training until at least march 5th all games up until that point, have been canceled. And so uh, the two sides, the uh, owners and the league and the players' union, are still far apart in a lot of stuff, like uh, all sorts of things. I mean, I was reading an article today. They're they're talking about um, a lot of money figures that there's still luxury tax implications and uh, player, uh, player time off and compensation for picks and international draft picks which is the play like it's all over the place I think I'm, I'm gonna try to work on having somebody on next week to really dive into this issue because both sides are gonna meet again next week the league announced that today after they uh, postponed or canceled all the spring training activities until at least March 5th and look here's the thing if the season wants to start on time they're gonna need at least 21 to 28 days it's about three to four weeks to get spring training going, some of the games and some of the practices. They don't need a lot of games, but they need some workouts and some things to do together, incorporate some of the new players that some of these teams have, uh, have brought in. So they're going to need at least three or four weeks. we got a lot of unsigned free agents. Carlos Correa is still out there. So that deal's got to get done. you got to think. It's, it's the 18th, so hopefully it's going to be done, boy, by the first week of March, and then this thing can really get rolling because then you have about three or four weeks then the opening day is March 31st, so, I mean, something has got to be done here, and uh, I guess in all these labor negotiations, I understand things have to happen, both sides need to get what they want, but, man, especially the last couple of years, I think it's become painfully ob- obvious that some of these leagues and some of these high-profile players and millionaires and owners, they got to read the room a little bit better. There's a lot of people that are struggling out there, especially the last couple of years. They've lost businesses. They've lost their jobs. People have been sick. They've lost time. Unfortunately, people have passed away. Adjusting to this new reality that we're living in that some people don't really even want to get away from, this whole pandemic life. I mean, it's it's been tough, man. It's been a weird two years, and we're having labor negotiations during these two years when baseball, of all things, needs to be starting on time. It's America's pastime. It's something that people look forward to. I know 
the country's number one sport is football. I get that. But there's still something nostalgic about baseball, and I think it needs to start on time. These two sides need to get together and figure this stuff out. I don't know who needs to make the concessions where, but let's get to playing baseball. Let's talk about sports, not money issues. I mean, talk about being out of touch. And, you know, fans, last year we had a good season. But after a while, fans start tuning some things out, man. We saw, we've seen what happened before with labor negotiations. If we start missing games, then people are going to start really getting upset. And they're going to lose those fans that they've gained over the last couple of years. Uh, and they're going to just lose them. The diehards will still be there. I'm, I'm still going to watch all the White Sox games, Astros games, and all that. But I'll tell you what, man, if they don't get this stuff together... They're going to lose some of these fans that, that they've gotten over the last couple of years. And, I, I look, I think I think they need to get together, read the room a little bit. It's been a tough couple of years. Let's get let's get this thing situated. Apparently, there are, you know, the owners are taking their time deciding on some of the proposals that the players are running by. It's just all this stuff gets really, really, really dumb after a while. As an outsider looking in, from somebody who's a casual fan or, Casual fans or somebody who loves the sport just wants to see these guys play. I know they got to get paid. I know some of these things need to be worked out. I understand. But we're like 70-plus days into this thing now. Started on December 2nd. It's time to get this thing wrapped up and get some baseball back on the field. All right. Now time for my interview with Dynamo head coach Paolo Nagamura. Now, I did post this before I left for Disney World, but there was a glitch in the system, I teased this before in the last podcast. I posted it, but it didn't get populated anywhere. And even if you saw it populated, you couldn't download it. So now we have this new form of posting podcast, and this is going to be on there, hopefully, tonight and for you guys to listen to. It was a great interview with Paolo. He's a Brazilian. Um, he's got descendants from Italy and Japan. I mean, he's a really uh, interesting guy. He's spent a lot of time in MLS. He played internationally. He was in Sporting KC before this. Brings a lot of experience to the Dynamo. Not really a name a lot of people saw on the radar when this job came open, but if you heard my interview with Pat Onstad, he is very high on him. And uh, so far, they look okay. I mean, they've gotten some positive results in the preseason. Their season is starting relatively soon. So without further ado, here's Paolo Nagamura, new head coach, of the Houston Dynamo. Paolo, it's nice to talk to you. Welcome to Houston. Again, I'm sure you've heard that a lot over the last uh, couple of weeks and months. How has it been adjusting to life here in Houston? It's been easy. It's been easy. I'm spending uh, probably most of the time here in the training facility, of course, uh, assessing, preparing, get everything ready for us to, to start the season really, really well this year. So, uh, it's been an easy transition for myself, uh, for my family as well. So, and and looking forward for this new year. Uh, take me back through the uh, hiring process a little bit, if you will. What what were those conversations like with Pat? And I talked to him yesterday, and he well, he really, really got excited when he he met with you for the first time, and he just felt that you were the right fit. What were those conversations from your perspective like? I think it was a very, very transparent process, very natural process for, for me. I think uh, when we talk, um, I address the way that I see the game. I address the way that I would like to work. I address what I believe it's important for the Houston organization to, to, to get back to the winning, winning days. And I think it was, uh, it was a lot of, of what Pat also 
had in mind as well. So like I say, it was a very, very transparent and natural process that I think um, it matched up really well uh, what what Pat was looking for and what I, I can propose and what I can what I can bring to, to, to the organization. What was important for you when you met with him, that, that relationship, what's important for you in a relationship with, with you as a coach and him as a general manager? What, what is key for that relationship to succeed? Yeah, transparency, transparency, knowing what he expects from the coach, uh, for, from my side, from, for he to know how I would like to approach the game, what, what I believe it's, uh, it's important, the values, the processes, all the stuff that we go on daily basis that had, that he's in 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 agreement with. So I think, but the word that I would, that would say is is going back again, transparency and 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 understanding what, how each other works. So and like I say, it was, it was a very 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 natural process in that aspect. Did you always want to be a coach after your playing days? Is this something that you envisioned that you wanted to do? And when did you realize as a player that this was kind of the track that you wanted to take? after your playing days were over. Yes, yes. I mean, when I when I was on, on my ending, ending part of my career, I was I always thought that I want to be involved with the, the sport that, that I love. And I think coaching is the, the closest that you can get uh, from a player perspective, I think. Uh, so yes, I was, I, was, I was already preparing myself for the end of my career, uh, studying the game, uh, being ready for, for the next step. You know, you are born in Brazil, and I read that you're from you're Japanese and Italian descent. So there's so many mixing cultures here. How did those? How did your upbringing? How did um, how did those different cultures play into the type of soccer persona that you developed? Because I'm sure everything kind of played into it, and I'm, Brazil having a big part of it. I'm sure. Yes, I mean, uh, São Paulo is a big city. Uh, São Paulo is like is a, a city like New York like Houston, uh, multicultural, where there's big influence from the Japanese community, the Italian community, the Portuguese community, the European community, the African community. It's a, it's, it's a multicultural city. So uh, from that aspect, I think that's where my descent comes and my, my influence in, those, in the background comes. But like growing up in Brazil, I think it's, it's everyone and I always say that in my interviews, like every kid grows up in Brazil, and the first the first gift that they 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 get it, uh, it's a soccer ball, and the the parents all wish that their kids will become a professional footballer or professional soccer player. So it's it's in my blood. The soccer is my blood. I've been I've been uh, grew up in Brazil, watching soccer, playing soccer, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons I'm I'm here today. You know, my dad did a lot of business in Brazil when I was younger, and he went to Sao Paulo a lot, Rio, Fortaleza. He went to all those places, and uh, every time he came back, he would bring me a soccer jersey, a different player. So Bebeto, Romario, all those guys from the earlier days. It Was there one particular player that you, that you kind of watched back then, and you were like, oh, man, that's, that's kind of the guy I want to emulate a little bit? I think growing up, in, uh, growing up, uh, I, I always liked the Ronaldo, mm -hmm. uh, just because he was special. I mean, his goal scorer, his ability to take players on. I mean, everyone looks up for guys that normally score goals and do the beautiful thing in, a, in on a, on a field. So, 
I always uh, I always admire him from the way that he played, and also Romario. Romario is one of my favorite as well. But I can I can I can name it fifteen thousand different ones right now, and and all great players, all players that for sure you know we are everyone knows, and and in Brazil is just the pool of players is so big that it, it's, there's so many good players that being involved with the sport so uh it's it's a blast to be brazilian <laughs> i always like bebeto's uh carrying the carrying the baby I, I always enjoyed that that celebration but how cool is it for you that there have been so many people that have come out of brazil playing this game that you've been able to carve out your path uh through mls now you're a head coach in mls i mean this is this is your own unique path that started back where so many people originated with this sport that's got to be neat for you right Yes, absolutely. I think it's, I mean, everyone has their own path, right? My path was growing up in Brazil, leaving to go to Arsenal in Europe, and then coming back to MLS, playing a long time in MLS, having experiences in Mexico, uh, and becoming a coach. I think, look, every, everyone has their own path. Every coach has their own path, right? Some, some guys start in college, some guys start with youth, youth clubs. Everyone has their own path, and I think no one is should be overlooked or no one should be undervalued. I think is everyone has a different different way to get where they want it. What did, what was the biggest thing from your playing days that you picked up that has helped you out as a coach? First with Sporting KC in the, the second division, and now that you're going to carry over, what was the one thing that you that you took away from your playing days that you think you can kind of grab on to being a good head coach here with the Dynamo? I think late in my playing career, I think I was paying much, very uh, much more attention to the to the tactical to the tactical part of the game. I think when you're young, you don't pay that much attention to it. But I'd say that from my my sporting KC days, I'll definitely pick up a lot from the tactical part of the game, formation, uh, how team defend, how team attack. Not that you don't pick when you play, but uh, later in my career, because I was already thinking the next next step. I think that's one of the biggest things that I, I can take from my, my playing career late at Sporting KC. You've played against the Dynamo during your playing career back back in the day and with Sporting KC. I know they've had some rivalries, some really good matches in the past. What, what was your impression of the Dynamo from afar uh, before you really kind of got involved here? Well, I, I say this multiple times. I mean, look, when we, when he, when we used to play against the Dynamo, 10 years ago, uh, nine, eight years ago, it was always diff it was difficult. It was it was difficult to play against uh Dom's team where there was Brad Davis, Ricardo Clark, uh Brian Chink. It, it was really difficult. Those guys, those guys not only they were talented, but they, they were grinding results, they were fighters, they were competitive, right? And uh, I mentioned this in my in my press conference, and I mentioned a couple of interviews as well. That that's what that's that's what we would like to to come back to. I think we're missing that from what I watched in a couple on the past few years, and I think that's one of the things that we we're trying to rescue and bring back to to the Dynamo. So we've talked about your what your playing days, and you're, you've alluded to your style a little bit. So how do you want to play? What can uh, what can fans expect when you when your team takes the pitch? Yeah, I mean, a, a team that is going to control the game uh, offensively, defensively, a team that is going to be on the front foot, a team that is going to propose the game, is going to try to uh, 
value the ball as much as we can, especially uh, because of the weather that we have here in Houston. So a team that is valuing the possession of the ball is, is a team that is aggressive defensively and a team that is difficult to play against. That's, that's what we're looking to implement here. Uh, you picked up uh, Sebastian, which is a, a huge signing for the team. Um, and Pat was excited to see him finally be a part of it, but he talked about getting him the ball and getting him in positions to do what he does. So how, what have you seen from camp and how is that, how has it been working him into all this group of guys that you're getting to know too? It's everybody's getting to know each other, which has got to kind of neat. Yeah, no, it's a process. Uh, I say it's a process. It's not going to, it's not going to happen overnight. I think we, we are assessing the players that we have in camp. We were trying to, to implement the new ideas, the new tactics. So it's going to take time. It's going to, it's not going to be overnight. But I think bringing Sebastian is going to be a, a great asset for the team. I think he's a goal, goal scorer. He's a proven goal scorer. He's been for four years, even though he's young. Uh, and, and he also brings a lot, of, a lot of work defensively. So he fits everything that we're looking for on that position. And, and hopefully he, he, has, he can have a great impact, not only him, but the entire team on the field uh, this year. What else has impressed you so far from camp? I don't know, not to single anybody out or anything like that, but what, what have you seen from the guys that maybe you didn't anticipate that has surprised you in a way, but uh, that excites you at the same time? I think what excites me about this first two weeks, I think, is that all the players, they, they're really bought into the new idea, to the, 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 new, uh, the new form that we, we want to implement, the new tactics. They're all bought in, and that's 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 I think what coach would ask for. I think they bought in, they understand the way that we want it, and uh, I think a fresh start for everyone. I think is gonna help, it's gonna happen, and I, it's it's just a natural natural process, right? The best players will play always. Is that a, is that a, a daunting task for you? Is it is it are you nervous coming into this process? You've been around the game for a long time. It's a little bit more responsibility, obviously, now that you're leading the club a club out on the, on the pitch and setting that standard. What, what, is, what is the feeling like as we get closer to opening day for you? No, I mean, it's, it, I don't think nervous is the word. I think uh, a little bit anxious to get this thing started because that's what you wanted to, to do. But like in the, in the same time, I think we need time to, to, to prepare the team. But I've been doing this very similar, maybe with less responsibilities for, for the last four years. So, there's no much difference than what I've, uh, than what I've been doing with SKC too, right? It's, it's preparing a team, make sure the team is ready to play tactically, technically, psychologically, physically. Uh, all the extra thing is more extra, uh, is out of the field, out of the wide lines. And, and, and I'm used to it as well since I was a player. So nothing too much different than I've been living for the last, for the last few years. What have, you, what have you enjoyed the most being in Houston so far now that you've kind of started to settle in? I know your plate is very full. <laughs> Maybe you haven't gotten a chance to do a whole lot <laughs> outside of training and getting those things ready, but uh, you and your family, what have you guys liked so far from Houston? Yes, I mean, we didn't have too much time uh, yet, but I think Houston reminds us a, a lot from our, our, our native, city, no, native city, Sao Paulo. A lot of a lot of restaurants, a lot of shopping, a lot of things to do in the city. So that's definitely something that we're gonna enjoy in our in our time here in Texas. 
And I guess finally, I got to ask you, what, what is your message to fans? Look, this is a, it's a fan base that it's a very passionate one. I've, you know, I've been down here now for a long time. They really care about soccer and they, they care about the dynamo. The last couple of years, it's really it's been kind of rough sledding for them. What, what is your message to them? I, I, I think you alluded to it. It's a process, right? But what, what do you want these fans to know about you and your style and what your guys are going to bring? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we understand that the fans are not happy. We know that. And I think they shouldn't. They shouldn't accept uh, the lack of results that has been in the last few years, right? Uh, the only thing that I would say is that for the fans to believe in the process, believe in what we've been doing here, we know that the only thing that we, the only way that we're going to change this is by getting results on the field. So that's what we're doing right now. We're working to get results on the field, getting the results that the fans the fans want it. So be patient, be, be, be supportive, believe that because that's, that's believe it, believe in the process because that's what everyone here in this organization wants to do. All right, Paolo, thank you very much. Good luck. I'll be rooting for you guys because I, I know when that stadium is packed, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun in there. So good it luck. Is. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Paolo. Good luck to him. Like I told him, I'm going to be rooting for them. I want to see soccer success in the city. I feel like that fan base is like a sleeping giant. When those guys start winning again, they fill that stadium. It's a great atmosphere. I remember when they opened that stadium up in those first uh, couple of seasons, there was still excitement about the new building. Now they haven't won in so long that the the excitement, it's been let out of the balloon. And look, as you heard there, coach understands they got to win. So if that winning comes back, the connection with the community comes back, then that's what I want to see because I think that's a really passionate fan base that has a lot of fun out there, and those games are a real blast. I know they're changing the stadium up a little bit to add some new fan experiences, which is going to be great. Um, So I'm excited to see what these guys have to offer. Get back into the playoffs, start there, and like Pat Onstead said, you get in the playoffs, you never know what could happen. All right, that's going to do it. Episode 94 in the books. Hopefully you enjoyed that. As I teased at the beginning, I'm going to hopefully have someone um, to talk about the MLB lockout next week. I know uh, a couple of people have written me messages about that. So I'm going to try to get somebody on the podcast to dissect some of that next week. Uh, But until then, you guys have a great weekend. Stay warm. Hopefully it warms up quicker than they say. And uh, I'm going to be covering wrestling. The state wrestling tournament is uh, in town this weekend. Some kid out of Clear Lake or Clear Springs, Clear Clear Creek, I believe. He's 46 and L, so we'll see if he wins it. That's what I'm doing this weekend. I'll see you guys on Sports Extra and then next week on Channel 11 and right here on the podcast. See you then.